You're listening to GlendaleCC.org and to the Glendale Christian KY Podcast on Apple Podcasts. We hope that this message encourages you in your walk to love and follow Jesus. Thank you for listening. Good morning, everyone. We, uh, I, I've been studying Second uh, Timothy, and uh, I really think Second Timothy is Paul's last will and testament. Uh, Paul is getting ready to be executed, or they're getting ready to execute him, and uh, Nero is going to uh, behead him, and so he's writing to Timothy, his adopted son in the ministry, and he's telling Timothy his last words. Now, I've been with a lot of people when they delivered their last words to friends and family, and uh, they're, they're very touching, but they're very pertinent. And, and Paul's words are very pertinent, and they're very pertinent to us today because he's telling Timothy, he says, look, the church needs to be on focus, and you are the church, so therefore you need to be on focus. And since you're the one that needs to be on focus, then uh, he's addressing this to us. And the scripture 2,000 years ago today is just as relevant. Now, I admit that uh, I worry a lot about my legacy. What do I want people to remember about? What What do I want people to remember me? What are the words? What are the tasks? What are the things that I want? Because as I grow closer to that twilight time, then I, I want to leave a message. And Paul wanted to leave a message, and he wanted to leave a legacy, and that legacy was coming through Timothy. Well, the legacy I want to leave is coming through you. I, I want you to be as earnest and sincere as Paul was uh, telling Timothy, take care of the Christians, take care of the family of God. Remember to keep their focus on Jesus Christ. Keep their focus on the things that are good and not allow them to get caught up in the things of this world. The plan, we, uh, we making, you know, I, I transferred my counts over to my sons and uh, we, we, we get things, making sure everything's right and all that. But when it comes to the Word of God and the Kingdom of God, my, my funds are going to rust out, wear out, and run out. But the kingdom of God will never rust out, run out, or wear out. And so we've got to focus on that and keep that as our focus and keep that as our main attitude. Whether you're 75 years old or whether you're 25, this message is pertinent to you, and I want you to hear it. I want you to hear it. Now, I've got some slides up here, and... Uh, uh, Tim's going to be showing them. What do you see there, an old woman or a young woman? What's the next one? What do you see? It's easy to see Jesus. Uh, people who don't see Jesus, uh, they tell me it's hard, but it's just focus on the dark. You all see Jesus? Everybody see Jesus? Hey, we won. Let's go home. <laughs> Let's go to the next one. This one, this one, there's lots of stuff in this picture. Lots. There's an Indian. There's a, a horse. There's all kinds of things in that one. But here's the one that I want to ask you what you see. What do you see? 
A rabbit or a duck? How many see a duck? How many see a rabbit? You see, what I, what I want to do today is have you look at the Scripture, realizing that each of us sees something different. And Paul understood that, and Paul's saying to the church, look, Timothy, you've got a message to deliver to this church, and the message is, what are they focused on? And what are you focused on? And in the, in the nine verses that I have selected for our scripture today, Paul's writing to Timothy, and he's saying, Timothy, this is what it's like out there in the world, and this is what it's like in there in the church. And what are you going to focus on, and what are you going to see? Now, let's look at the scripture. But mark this. Underline in your Bible, Timothy, mark this down, write this down, remember this. Timothy, this is important. Church family, this is important. Mark this, mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. Now, that is a picture of the world that Paul's talking about 2,000 years ago. Do you think that's a good description of the world today? Isn't that just what we're living in and seeing? Lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive. Every day we pick up the paper and we find some kind of abusive situation in the newspaper. Slanderous, without self-control. Not lovers of good, that really bothers me because we aren't lovers of good. We like the juicy tidbits. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. We were talking in Sunday school, we, I think this society today has a knowledge of God, but they don't know God. We have a knowledge of, of, of who God is, but we don't know God. And, and, and that is the type of society that Paul's talking about, and that's today, 2,000 years later, as fresh as today. Let's go on and look at what's in here. They are the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over gullible women who are loaded down with sin and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires. Always learning, but never able to come to knowledge of the truth. Just as James and James opposed Moses. Now this is the only place those two names are in the entire scripture. So Paul is writing Timothy about two who opposed Moses, who didn't tell the truth. They were false teachers. So also are the teachers who pose the truth. They are men of depraved mind, 
who as far as the faith is concerned are rejected. But they will not get very far because in the case of those men, their folly will be clear to everyone. We have people in the church, we have things in the church that are not like it ought to be. And we've got to be on our guard. And Paul's saying, Timothy, the world out there is filled with all kinds of trouble. But Timothy, be on your guard in the church because there are false teachers. There are those that want to sway you to, to itchy ears to that which you want to hear. And so be on your guard and don't listen to that. And he says, move away from them. Get out of them. Get, get away from them. And, uh, and, and I was looking at that and I was seeing, Paul is saying to the younger Timothy to tell the younger folks, hey, we're concerned about you. And I think that's the message we, the church, have today. We're concerned about you. We're concerned about you because you're growing up in a different world. You're growing up in a different time. You're growing up with a, a, a media time that's altogether different. I was hired to be the minister of Glendale Christian Church 50 years ago, uh, the month of November. And in those 50 years, there's been a lot of changes, some for the much better, uh, but some quite different. You know, 50 years ago, we didn't do background checks on our volunteers. 50 years ago, we didn't have a PA system. 50 years ago, we didn't have air conditioning. And I really like air conditioning. 50 years ago, we didn't have security guards. 50 years ago, we didn't have cameras looking at every place and where we go and what we do. Times have changed. And culture's changed. And five decades have seen a lot of change. But some of them have been good. My context and my thought is those that have come after me, those that are here, I'm concerned about you. I'm worried about you. And I'm worried about my children and my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren and my great-great-great-great-great-great-grandchildren. I'm worried about those who come after because we as a church need to hand them a better kingdom than we found. Amen? Come on, wake up. We need to hand them a better kingdom than we found. We need to hand them a better relationship with Jesus Christ than we found. We're afraid of relationships today. We run from relationships, and we run from a relationship with Jesus Christ. We need to build that relationship and we need to build it now right here. And that's what Paul's telling Timothy, and that's what Paul is telling Timothy to tell those who come after. Now, I want us to look at the first couple of verses from a different perspective. So another slide. Paul said, mark this, know this, understand this, in the last days. Now, I'm not a student of eschatology. I don't know the millenniums. I don't know if it's pre-millennial, post-millennial, amillennialist. I'm pro-millennialist. Whatever the Lord's got, I'm for. I'm not here to announce his coming again. I'm here to prepare you for his coming again and be prepared for his coming again. I don't know when it is, so I'm not an eschatologist. But I do know that the last days mean when John says it or James says it or Timothy or Paul or whomever, 
when they say the last days, they are saying any time from the crucifixion of Jesus Christ till his second return. Any time in that time frame, he's coming and we need to be ready. So mark this, the last days. And then mark that there's going to be terrible times. And what do you mean by terrible times? There's going to be perilous. There's going to be grievous. There's going to be heartful or hurtful times. And we need to understand that and we need to see that. And we need to understand that. And then Paul says they had a form of godliness. That form of godliness, they pretended that they loved Jesus. They pretended to be Sunday morning Christians. But on Monday and Tuesday, they were far from the kingdom. Does that describe us? Is that what they're talking about? Talk about false teachers, that Moses had false teachers, and there's false teachers today. And you need to be on your guard that you know the Word, and the Word doesn't allow me, Adam, Bobby, Tim, or anyone else deliver a message that is not the Word of God. And you guard that. Now, whenever we have a problem, we have to have a solution. And uh, I, I look at the way we handle problems. One of the ways we handle problems is we try to hide from it, right? We try to hide. And, and I, I did a little scenario. We, we kind of go into our house, and we close that drawbridge called a garage, and we hide from problems. Now, Paul is giving Timothy these problems, and he's telling them, and Timothy might be like all of us, that we want to hide from those problems, that we don't want to face them, that there's nothing to do with me. You know, it's not my problem, not my problem. So I close my door, and I won't listen to it. The second thing we try to do with problems is pass new laws. We're constantly trying to pass new laws. We, we, we want these new laws to be out there that, that we can pass a law about everything. Laws don't make a big difference. God gave us ten, and we've added pages and tens of thousands of pages to that, and no better off. Laws. You see, we talk about laws about gun control and all that. The problem's not the guns. The problem is in the heart of people. And that's where this, the situation is. We, we, we try to pass laws for these things. We try to do a program or put money to resolve the program. We had a great debate at editorial board meeting the other day, and uh, it was on providing needles, clean needles. I understand the concept, but I also understand that that doesn't resolve the issue. And, and I, I, I've debated within myself, and I have no answer. I have no answer at all. I have no solution. So I guess I'll go in my house and close my garage door and stay, and it's not my issue. But we try to spend money and create programs that don't do any good. You see... The problem really isn't what we see the problem as. The problem is in our hearts, and the problem is us. 
<clears throat> the problem is the fact that we need to realize that we have moral issues and moral problems and we're trying to do all kinds of solutions that aren't the right solutions. The only solution to the problems of the world today is Jesus Christ. Do you hear me? The only solution to the problems of the world today is Jesus Christ. The only solution to the problems in your household is Jesus Christ. We have a form of godliness. Is that a form of godliness that we have in our homes? He says that the people were lovers of themselves, lovers of money, serving others. I, I, I say that in today's society we probably have more idols than any other time in history. We have more interference than any time in history. And we, the church, fall prey to it. Jesus overcame everything. And we've got to keep our focus on Jesus Christ. Amen? We've got to keep our focus on Jesus Christ. Let me give you an example. Who is the wisest man in all the world in all history? Charlie, put your hand down. It's not you. <laughs> Who's the wisest man in all history? Solomon. You know that. Solomon was the wisest man in all history. Solomon, chosen of God to build the temple. Solomon, the greatest man of all. But when Solomon wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, which is a journal of his life, Solomon said, nothing's good under the sun. So many times, nothing good under the sun. You see, Solomon lost his focus, and he was looking at the things, the half-empty glass. And he lost his focus, and he needed to get his focus back above the sun to God in heaven. He needed to return his focus to God. 38 times, 38 times in the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon, the chosen of God, the one who built the temple of God, the one that uh, was a blessed of God, Solomon wrote 38 times, all is vanity. All is vanity. Life is vain. Life is useless. Why? Because he lost his perspective. Now, Let's look at some scriptures to help us keep us our perspective. We have scripture in Hebrews. It says in Hebrews, what does it say that we highlight it? Fixing our eyes on Jesus. No matter where we are, what we're doing, no matter what run, no matter what walk, no matter what we're meandering through, we fix our eyes on Jesus Christ. And we as a church have to fix our eyes on Jesus. The next scripture. You all know we had to have that in there somewhere. You are the light of the world. You are the only Bible that some people will read. What are they reading? The scriptures are so full of this information, and this information is here today to tell us the solution is in Jesus Christ. 
But the people aren't going to see the solution until they see you living for Jesus Christ. You are the light. You are the Bible. And people see you and they get an idea of the scripture. And why? Because they may see your good deeds and glorify the Father. You got it? You catch it? They glorify the Father. Why? Because they saw something good you did. Now they'll see something bad you did and they'll report it. <coughs> but they see something good you did. Let's go to the next. In First Peter, <coughs> excuse me, live such good lives among who? The pagans, that they may see your good deeds and glorify God. Second Peter, doing good silences the ignorant. <coughs> silences the ignorant. <laughs> I like that. You see, the scripture is telling us to do good. But we have so many people in our church and so many people in the world that we got the me attitude. Boy, <laughs> they did that to me, and I'm going to get them. I tell you, there's no vengeance like my vengeance. I'm going to get them. It may not be today. <clears throat> it may not be tomorrow, but I'm going to get them. And I'm going to get them good. And I'm going to get them. That's the attitude we have. Isn't it? That's the attitude. The Bible says, <coughs> don't pay, e don't give evil for evil. Don't do vengeance. But we're looking at it. And that's what we want to give. Vengeance. Vengeance is mine, <laughs> says Michael. Not so. Not so. <coughs> Not so at all. Vengeance is the Lord's. He'll take care of it. You see, the Lord I believe in and the Lord I know is a Lord that is the overcomer. Right? He overcame death. He overcame everything. The Lord I know conquered death, conquered grave, the Lord I know is going to be victorious. Sam's bringing me water. One time Sharon did that, and I said, now I forgot my point. And she said, in conclusion. <laughs> Thank you, dear. The Lord I know is going to be and is the overcomer. I've read the last chapter. And that's the kind of God that I serve and I want to serve. And I'm going to ask you today, what kind of God do you serve? What kind of God are you worshiping? What kind of God are you out there that when times get troubled and times get rough and the world seems like it's caving in on us, what is the God that you call upon? An overcomer or just somebody? What is the God you call on? I got one last slide I want to share with you. I never heard of this lady. I was reading a, a book that made reference to her, and I looked her up. Her name is Victoria Ruvola, I think. At the age of 45, she was, she was coming home, and she was driving home one evening, and uh, 
A group of boys, she was about two miles from her house. A group of boys had stolen a credit card and they had gone to a uh, convenient market and bought a 20-pound turkey with a stolen credit card. And they go up on the overpass and they drop the turkey and it goes through her windshield. She lay unconscious in the hospital in New Jersey for four weeks. When she finally came to, she had no idea what had happened. She had no idea of time. She had lost those four weeks. They were concerned about saving her. Uh, the young man, there were three young men that did it, but one of them was Ryan Cushing. He's 18 years old. The day court came, and this was uh, 2005, in 2005, Ryan appeared before a judge. She was out of the hospital. She was in the hospital for about three or four months. She was out of the hospital. She went to court to see the young man that had done that. Ryan Cushion came into court that day wearing a suit. She says in her book, it's three sizes too big for him. And she looked at him and saw a young man, and, and, and she thought, I've got to have sympathy. The judge had already, with the prosecutor, decided that they would give him 25 years in prison. She looked at him and she said, 25 years in prison is not going to help that young man, is not going to do anything. And so when the judge was ready to make sentence and pronounce sentence, he pled guilty. And the judge was ready to pronounce sentence. She got up and she begged the judge to give him leniency. And she begged the judge to give him leniency. And the judge gave him six months in jail and five years probation. Ryan and Vicki became friends. They communicated a lot. Vicki died about seven years after this. But she was doing speaking engagements and telling and she went to court that day seeking vengeance. But when she saw the man, she couldn't have anything but grace in her heart. I love that story. I love that account. Because this lady saw possibilities. And she told Ryan, she says, I'm asking the, jo the judge for leniency for you. But I'm asking you to go out and do something with your life. Go out and make your life count. Go out and do something with your life. I love that. Because today I hear Jesus Christ saying to all of us, I died on the cross for you. Go out and do something with your life. And go out and live such a life that people will see your good works and they will glorify me. They'll glorify me. You see, what do we focus on? Do we focus on all the evil and all the pain and, 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 and all the things out there? Do we focus on all the bad that's in here? Or do we focus on Jesus? When Solomon lost his sight of Jesus, when Solomon lost his sight of God, Solomon lost his sight. And when we stop focusing on Jesus Christ, and start focusing on the negative we lose. My favorite scripture 
is Jesus walking on the water. And Peter comes walking to him. Now, in my mind, when Peter climbs out of the boat, nobody else had any guts to get out of the boat. And Peter starts walking. And the people start yelling, Watch out, Peter, that's a ghost. Get back here in the boat, you idiot. And when you start serving Jesus, people are saying the same thing to you. Ah, you're just a holy roller. It ain't no good. You're not going to make it. And when Peter took his focus off Jesus, what happened to him? He began to sink. And when you take your focus off Jesus, you begin to sink. Brothers and sisters, I implore you, remember Vicki. She had grace, and her story rings out. The legacy I leave, I want to leave a legacy that Jesus Christ rings out. And the legacy I want this church to leave is Jesus Christ lives out. And the only legacy and the only way this can be accomplished is you living for Jesus. You standing up and you showing the world the Jesus that you see and the Jesus you follow. Right? Simple. Go do it. Let's pray. Father, we ask your blessings. We ask your wisdom. We ask your leadership. We ask, O oh Father, that in all things we seek you. In body, mind, and spirit, we live for you. And now as a church, may we go forth in the world and make a difference. Be bold with the fact that I know Jesus and what a friend he is to me. And the only way we can be bold is if we know him as a friend. And now, Jesus, go with us. And now the power of the Holy Spirit fill us. In Jesus' name, amen.